on cornerofthegalaxy.com. It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box, the show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Gessman, coming to you on a Monday, August 29th. LA Galaxy getting ready to close out the month with a trip to Toronto. Galaxy landed this afternoon after spending some time in downtown Boston. Galaxy walking away with 2-1 win over New England Revolution on a Sunday night. That was pretty interesting. We want to talk a whole bunch about that. There's some some really great play by the Galaxy and maybe rounding into form. Last 10 games are playoff form. Maybe the Galaxy are trying to find that playoff form as we continue. So we're going to talk about that. Get you ready for Toronto. Any news nuggets that fall in between that, we will certainly get to as well. To help me do that, he is back. We're always glad to have him back too. It's Kevin the Panda Baxter. Kev, how's it going? Hey, did you get your playoff tickets yet? <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah. Let's let's I'm, not count our chickens, sir. No, I'm I'm coming in hot on this one. If you're a political junkie like me, you're familiar with Nate Silver and his group 538. Yes, they they, they do a lot of the political, um, not punditry. They it's a statistical thing. There's no bl- blue and red involved. It's just they look at the statistics, they look at the polls. And they have a mathematical formula for breaking them down. And they do a lot with sports. In fact, I think Nate Silver for a while worked for ESPN. Right, correct. And I, I tell you all that to tell you this. They uh, have a probability for uh, MLS playoff teams. And going into the New England game at the end of the last week, the Galaxy had a 64% chance of making the playoffs, according to Nate Silver. With that win at New England, they have an 81% chance of making the playoffs now. They even have a better-than-average chance of, of – opening at home, which was surprising to me. But what's important about that, when you look at the teams they're competing with, so the Galaxy, 81% chance of making the playoffs. Seattle's at 33%. Portland's at 23%. Colorado, 11%. Vancouver, 9%. Those are the teams the Galaxy are fighting against. And then when you look at uh, you know, the points per game, Galaxy, LAFC at 2.11. This is the Western Conference. LAFC, 2.11. Austin, 1.89. Minnesota 1.63, Dallas 1.48, RSL 1.44, the Galaxy 1.42. So they're sixth in points per game. Right. Um, Nashville is the only other team above 1.3. So all the numbers make it, you know, if the Galaxy just hold form. And by the way, speaking of form, um, they are uh, 2 0 1 in the last three games, the longest unbeaten streak they've had since April. Right. Only one other team in the Western Conference has been hotter than them over the last three games. Minnesota won all three. The Galaxy was seven points in three games, second hottest team in the Western Conference right now. Yeah. That's the way you want to close the season. 
Galaxy also have seven points in their last five games. So if you want to stretch that out a little bit, they have the same number because no, they lost I, to it, other. It blows up the whole, blows up the whole <laughs> argument. Greg Vanny, I, I think he told you the same thing in a different conversation, but he told me that he doesn't really consider the playoffs or the, the season to start into the last 10 games. And by, what, by that he means, look, if you're out of it after 24 games, you're not going to catch up. So you know, just put that aside. The last 10 games, that's when you begin to build for the playoffs. That's when you build momentum. That's when you you try to make sure every all, all the parts are working. And his point is, you know, a lot of teams win Supporter Shield and then don't do very well in the playoffs. They have a great season, maybe the first four or five months of the season, and then they don't do all that well in the playoffs. And he has that experience. You know, he's competed for a couple of Supporter Shields, won one and went out early in the playoffs the year that he lost by three points in the Supporter Shield race. But when you look at the teams that kind of are wildcard teams, you know, in, in other in other leagues, the teams that come in fifth, sixth, seventh in the standings, those are the teams that are coming in generally are coming in hot. They've won a tough battle to get into the playoffs. They generally come in with a lot of momentum and do really, really well. And I think that's what Greg Vanny's talking about. If you can have any 10-game stretch in the season when you want to be doing really well, it's the final 10 games. Galaxy have started that stretch pretty well. Yeah, not bad. I mean, I don't want to... Uh, listen, I said, and, and very clearly, I wouldn't be surprised if the LA Galaxy got zero points on this road trip. Having three points already, mission complete. Where's Where's George W. Bush flying in on the jet? Mission complete. All right? Um, so whatever happens in Toronto happens, and um, I think the Galaxy... It's funny. I actually, just, just looking at the way that they won in New England, I actually... They, they increase, in my mind, their chances of winning against Toronto just by the way that they were able to grind out a win. Uh, against New England. I thought, uh, just looking at the way that they have been playing, I think there has been some consistency in sort of how it's gone. Um, certainly a 2 nothing lead again at halftime. I mean, you look at the at Seattle and what would have happened had the Galaxy um, been able to hold on to those extra two points instead of uh, instead of just getting one. Um, being two points further ahead, sort of putting them into that playoff picture and how it looks. I, I asked Greg Vanny after the game, Kevin. I said, I said, does does dude like the optics matter? Does does the visual of seeing your team above the playoff line every time? Because going into the game, the Galaxy had a chance to basically, if they didn't win the game, to drop below the line, right? Again. Yeah, we're below the line going into the game. Yeah, I don't. It's weird. They came. They came into the weekend below the line, then they went above the line. I think that's going to be going on the rest of the season. Yeah, but also um, things move after every game, but like they're not completely over until the weekend is over. So I, I know people freak out whenever things move, like inter weekend or inter week or those types of things. They always end up like fixing themselves, and then you actually get to see where they are. So the Galaxy, yes, they started below the line, but technically started the week above the line. So they maintain their position is what they ended up doing um, by by winning that. So. For, for me, I asked him, you know, is there a visual sort of, you know, does it make you feel better almost uh, whenever you see yourself above the line? He's like, you know what? He goes, I don't know that it matters. He goes, I just like, and and he was saying this over and over. He said it before the game. He said it after the game. He's like the grit, the determination, the competition. He goes, that's what he wanted to see. He wanted to see those things. And I think he, he predicted this game very well in terms of one, his lineup um, and two, what it was going to look like. And he warned us all, Kevin, beforehand. He said, this is not going to be a pretty game, right? He said this New England is not a place for, for pretty football, pretty soccer, right? Because the turf plays slower than you want it to. The ball bounce is weird. It's just, and it's always a difficult place to try to win. And if you do go in and win, it's because you have this mindset of you're going to grind it out. And I'll be the first one to say that if you look at this game and you look at the stats and you watch the game and you watch New England ping stuff off the crossbar and off the uprights and off Jonathan Bond and in different ways, 
New England had the chances to tie and win that game multiple times. Um, well, they outshot the Galaxy nineteen to eight, I think, and 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 Jonathan Bond made a uh, season high seven saves. Yeah, and again, another good game by Jonathan Bond, and it's almost lost in in the in the Ricky Pooge pass and and in the Aguirre goal. You almost kind of uh, you know overlooked Jonathan Bond, but a, again, another you know really standout performance. Yeah, uh, he was. He, I mean, if you're looking at man, men of the of the match, you can look at Chicharito. Uh, you can look at Jonathan Bond. You could look at Daniel Aguirre. I would certainly, I would almost push the Daniel Aguirre uh, story a little bit more than maybe some of the others. Chicha had a goal and assist, so it, it's pretty hard. Main team of the week as well. Um, <laughs> so he does that, but um, you know, how can you not look at at some of the stuff that you know Ricky did or, or other other players? But they were opportunistic. They were smart. They took their chances and they finished. And doing that, that's how they won that game. And they hung on by absolute the skin of their teeth. The eight minutes of stoppage time, by the way, I don't know what and who was counting the minutes, but good Lord, that seemed like about three minutes past what I thought would be the upper limit of that. Um, and so you got that. Um, just a lot of things went the Galaxy's way. But I think that Greg Vanny at least set this team up to be successful um, you know, in this particular game, I, I thought it was an interesting lineup, Kevin, just from the fact that, um, he knew he was going into New England. He knew that, um, it was going to be a, a tough game. And then he knew, unlike we, uh, he knew that he wasn't going to be traveling with Mark Delgado. Uh, and then eventually he knew that Raheem Edwards, who's dealing with some hamstring issues, was not going to be available for this game either. And probably a good idea not to play him on, on turf as well. So uh, the Galaxy with a 5-3-2, and I would say that's a pretty accurate rep representation of sort of how they started, except that in a really strange sort of turn of events, um, and I don't even know if it's strange, I, it looked completely planned, is Chicharito didn't spend his time up there chasing balls. Uh, they let Kevin Cabral run up top and chase things around and sort of apply pressure and do those things. And she just laid a little bit under um, as a playmaker. And then a five-man back line with Gasper, Williams, Koulibaly, Depew, and Araujo. Uh, and then you had Brugman. You had Daniel Aguirre starting in place of uh, Mark Delgado. Um, and then uh, you have uh, Ricky, 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 Ricky uh, playing in, in the center and getting his first start. So I actually thought that that was a very defensive lineup, which it turned out to be, Kevin. Um, but at the same time, Galaxy were really able to pick their spots on the offensive side. And I think um, if they can sort of set up that way on the road to continue down here, they can steal a couple more games as they go. Well, wait, and you talked about New England, tough place to play. That's the kind of lineup you want in a difficult place to play. You want to be defensive. You want to make sure that you do not create any mistakes and hope the other team creates enough for you to score. Uh, you don't want to go out there and, and try to get in a shootout on a field that's a difficult place to play. Um what about Edwards and Delgado for Toronto? Because both those guys as former Toronto players, I think they were both really looking forward to going back home. Yeah, um, I would say uh, that, uh, so Raheem Edwards is with the team. They were hopeful, and Greg Vanny was hopeful that he was doing some running, he was receiving treatment, they were hopeful that he could possibly be ready for Toronto. So that's one. Um, and then Delgado did not travel with the team. Um, he was back in L.A. Now, Greg told us after the game, he said that Delgado had plane tickets, plane reservations to be in Toronto should they think that he could make it um, in terms of he was ready to go. Delgado, I believe, is working working uh, or, or dealing with something to do with his jaw, Kevin, um, from what I understand. And this yeah, he's had that problem all year. Yes, and it's something that, is, that has come early. It's either the jaw or the cheek or something, and... I, we've never been able to get clarification. It's like people don't want to talk about it, um, which is a little weird. But at the same time, that's what he's been dealing with. And he's played through it sometimes. I mean, 
Vanny had sort of uh, intimated that that you know he played a couple games where like Delgado doesn't even remember the game because he was in so much pain and those types of things. Um, so that's from my understanding, sort of. I, I, at least I was I was hinted at that this is a continuation of that. It's a non-COVID related um, either illness or sickness. Maybe it's an infection of some sort. I don't know. It's really interesting how we're not getting a, a clear picture of it. Well, and speaking of not getting a clear picture, and you mentioned COVID, one thing that people may have missed is this game is in Toronto, and we've seen the Angels in the last week uh, have to call a couple players up because they had players on the roster who were not vaccinated and would not get vaccinated, couldn't go to Canada. You have to cross an international border. Canada has different rules. So the Angels had to call players up and leave some guys home. Um, turned out a major league player from Orange County got his major league de- or minor league player from Orange County got his major league debut, played all three games. So it worked out well. My point is we ask and we never got a definitive answer that I know of from the galaxy, whether anybody would not be able to make that trip because of COVID. Um, and my first thought when I heard Delgado didn't make the trip to new England was, well, yeah. but that didn't make any sense because he played in Toronto last year. So he would have by Canadian law would have been, you know, able to come back, he would have had the requisite shot. So it sounds like everything there is is in order. And, you know, soccer is a different game from baseball because so many of these guys are coming internationally. Look at the Galaxy roster, how many international players they have. These are guys that can't come into the United States or into Canada unless they've been vaccinated. Now, you can be, you or I, as an American citizen, having, you know, we're living here, we could could be in the U.S. without being vaccinated, but we couldn't go to Canada. But so many of the players on the Galaxy have had to get vaccinated just to come into the country. Yeah. So they're good. We we were we were at least uh, pointed in in the direction that said it didn't look like anybody who would be if there was anybody and the, this person was unaware that there was anybody, um, but if there was anybody that they didn't think it would be anybody who would be in like the eighteen man roster on a regular basis type of thing. So if it was anybody else, it might be down the roster type stuff. Um, now don't know, but as you pointed out, it could also be like well they're not on the eighteen man roster because they're not vaccinated. So we'll we'll keep an eye on yeah. the whole thing. But Delgado is not that. Um, at least not, not that I understand at all. And so this is again, yeah, somebody said maybe it's a tooth or something. I don't think it's a tooth, but it could be a tooth. I don't, I have no idea. Really. We're, we're guessing at this point, but we know it's something to do with, um, let's see, what was the word that was probably used the most? The head, the head. I don't think it's brain. Uh, but I think it's like, you know, jaw, jowls. You got a bad jawbreaker somewhere. Yeah, you know, too much. Uh, by the way, a $5 super chat. Uh, somebody, uh, Jacob says, uh, is Kevin using a six, uh, a sick GTR racing gamer chair? Next, we're going to find out he's got the full RGB LED mouse and keyboard as well. Respect. So, by the way, uh, I happen to know uh, Kevin's wife bought that chair for him. So he has no idea any of the words that you just asked. No. Yeah, he is. He Did doesn't say yeah, he did. He say RGB is that uh, R- RGB Ginsburg? No, yeah, no, RGB. that's not Ruth no. G- Gator. G- it, it, it is. Ginsburg. It is the Man City Colors, though. Or, yeah, Man City Colors, sort of, kind of, kind of, almost. No, no. Yeah, you can catch Kevin on his twi- on his live Twitch stream. Um, yeah, that's Panda. That's Panda Pod Racing. I'm pretty sure is what it is. Yeah, just go on that Twitch channel. That's where you're gonna find him. Um, so thank you for that super chat. Appreciate it. But Kevin has no idea what you just asked him, and he will probably uh, text me later to find out what you actually said. Um, I, I really let, let's get into the game just a little bit because I mean, obviously there's two huge plays and to see the first one pull off uh, when Delgado wasn't there and Daniel Aguirre was put in there. Uh, I tweeted out before the game started. 
uh, basically, I said, you know, Aguirre has some huge shoes to fill, fill because you're talking about a guy in Delgado who really is a pace setter. He's usually an engine. He usually uh, dictates how fast the Galaxy play and which direction they're going. And he's 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 like a you know the air traffic controller of the LA Galaxy. He sort of makes things go and things orbit around him, and he keeps track of everything. So when he can't go immediately. You know, and on some group chats, I was like, I, I don't see it because I love Daniel Aguirre, but you're asking him to step up into a huge position here and huge shoes in a big game on the road that is super tough. It's just, it's a lot going against him. Very happy to be totally wrong. I was right, by the way. If Aguirre played well, the Galaxy would play well. He played outstanding. And not only that, Kevin, he scores a goal. It's uh, He scores his first MLS goal, uh, and he does it on a run that I'm not sure Delgado makes. Um, it's just Delgado usually doesn't take, take that. But if you watch the first goal again, and this is Chicharito and we talked about it, Chicharito actually said it too. He said, you know, the positioning of, of Cabral, um, and the positioning of Aguirre and just where everybody was when that play started was perfect to unsettle new England and it split new England's backs. They were both overcommitted to the outside and Aguirre saw a route straight up the middle and he made the run and Chicharito saw that run, Kevin, and he found Aguirre great. And how many times have we seen Cabral be in sort of that similar position, which is he's one on one with the goalkeeper and he overthinks it. And Aguirre took that shot from well out in a good position, right in a good spot, left footed, bends his hips around, curves the ball around the goalkeeper um, and puts that into the left side of the net. Altogether, an outstanding goal. One of the better goals we've seen from the LA Galaxy this year, just in terms of positioning, build up, execution, and finally putting the ball in the back of the net. Everything was perfect in that, which is really interesting because uh, Ricky's ball to Chicharito, Kevin, mirrors a lot of those same things in terms of positioning and stuff, except that Ricky's ball is one of the most ridiculous passes we've seen from anybody in an LA Galaxy uniform in a very long time. You tried to take it back to David Beckham. I'm sure it's not that far, but I can't honestly think off the top of my head of anybody who's played a ball down the middle through different levels like that to find somebody perfectly in stride in a long time. Well, let's talk about Chicharito for a minute because he has a goal and assist in the first 15 minutes. This is only the third game in his 57 games with the Galaxy where he's had a goal and an assist. Third time. He's done two of those games have been in the last four games. Okay, so Chicharito's starting to wake up and, and actually maybe a, a, you know expanding his game a little bit. In his last four games, he scored five goals. Um, he now has 31 goals in his Galaxy career. He has 199 goals in his club career, so one more for 200. But that's kind of just the start because, you know, the Galaxy, as we said, kind of hot now, kind of starting to pick up the pace a little bit with, with Chicharito getting hot. This year, when, when Chicharito scores, he scored in 10 games. He has 12 goals in, in 10 games. The Galaxy are 7-2-1 and one when Chicharito scores. They're 4-9-3 and three when he doesn't. Um, you know, in his Galaxy career, 57 games over three years, he has 31 goals. Um, now, you know, you, we talked about this before. You might not take 10 goals a season, but remember the 2020 season was shortened to 22 games by COVID. He was hurt a lot. Um, he's got, again, you know, he's, he's scoring a half a goal a game. So he's scoring a, a goal every two games. Um, you know, I don't, that's may not be DP, DP production, but when you factor in the injuries and all the other things and different teammates and all that, that's not bad. It's not, I mean, it's not the disaster that a lot of people predicted. It may not be the high point that I thought he was going to do, but that's pretty good. And then again, when you look at the season, seven, two, and one, the Galaxy are when he scores. Um, that's 
kind of talks about how important he is to to what they do. Yeah, it, well, and the other reason is he tends to score early in a game, right? Like, usually you get Chicha in a first-half goal. That usually, at least, that's off the top of my head. I haven't actually gone through and tallied it, but in my mind, Chicha scores early. And when Chicha scores early, the Galaxy score early. When the Galaxy score early, the Galaxy win, right? So 10-1-2. and 10-1-2 yeah. and two when they score first. So uh, you look at all those things combined. I mean, for me, one, Chicharito... Uh, finishing that particular play, and we've seen him miss some of those as well, but finishing that particular play was great. You go up to, uh, to nothing. Um, the celebration after, did you see any of the, the video afterwards, Kevin, of, of Chicha getting yeah. a, a, accosted by a fan? And I, I've had people who tell me, oh, it looked like he was just celebrating with them. And I'm like, it started that way. And then all of a sudden, the this fan who ran out onto the field, who gets in the Galaxy's huddle, right, when they're celebrating with Chicharito, gets his hands around Chicharito, and then Chicharito sort of wants to get away, and then this guy's hands sort of come up around Chicharito's neck, and now people are ready to throw hands, and they're, dro- they're, they're pushing this guy away. I mean, it was Galaxy players who pulled this fan off of Chicharito. Um, we asked, uh, Damian Calhoun asked Chicha what the guy was like there, and was he, he goes, he goes, I don't know, he was just a fan. He goes, I couldn't tell what he was trying to say. He goes, because we were there celebrating. He goes, but, um, you know, he was like really, really drunk, so it was really hard to understand him at all. And Chicha didn't seem bothered by it, but we've seen this continuing trend across all major sports, right? But especially in this case, um, in New England, where Chicha could have been in danger. I mean, you could, you're, Somebody's going to get hurt eventually, whether it's a, a star or somebody else or however that goes. And I feel like MLS, I feel like stadiums in general aren't prepared for basically what is happening with these fans who who come onto the field and, and, and do all this stuff. It, it's a dangerous trend. Happens at Dignity Health Sports Park as well. And we've seen it many times. Well, people think it's innocent because the guys want to come over and celebrate with the players. We don't know that. I mean, what was the tennis player? Monica Sellis, right? The one who got stabbed in the back. Uh, at a tournament in Europe, and her career was never the same again. It was a fan that came up. She thought he wanted an autograph or something, stabbed her in the back, and, yep. and pretty much ended her career as a top-flight uh, competitive tennis player. Something really bad could have happened to Chicharito. Um, you know, again, we don't know what that fan's intention was. No, no, we don't. By the way, uh, five dollars. We still su- don't. Yeah, we still don't. Um, five dollars super chat from what the and uh, uh, this person says. Galaxy fans looking at those three points like the way that Efrain Alvarez looks at Ricky. Uh, Ricky Pooch, did you see the the photo of Efrain looking at at Ricky after a game? He, how do I say this nicely? Because I don't necessarily enjoy the Efra loves McDonald's memes that that sort of seem to follow him around. But at the same time, I do love a good joke, and that's a pretty good joke. It was like that. Uh, I think uh, Eric actually put a hamburger over Ricky's head and then showed that picture. And if you could understand how that would fit in, that's how what sort of what this person is saying. So what the well, I will, $5 I'll, I'll super chat. To, thank you. I'll try to rescue you out of that uh, disaster that you just went down by with a segue to say that speaking of Efrain Alvarez and Aguirre, you know, Greg had to have seen something in training that knew that Aguirre could handle this moment because there was Efrain, you know, Vasquez is around, questions around, you know, he puts Aguirre into that spot and that big a game and he obviously knew he could handle it, and then, and then kudos to Aguirre to stand up and do it because other players have been given that, that chance and did not come through. I mean, here's a guy that – if you, did you think that with uh, nine games left in the season, we'd be talking about Aguirre as being a guy who might have saved the, the Galaxy season? I don't even know if we'd be talking about him being on the 18-man roster. And now all of a sudden he's played a key moment in a big game that, that may start the, 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 the rest of the playoffs. There is something about Aguirre that – for me is 
every time we see him play, we're always impressed, right? It's one of those guys who's like, every time you think that he's sort of at this level, maybe he's he's a little bit higher than the level that you think it is. And every time he gets tested and put in situations, he seems to perform. Um, the Galaxy were in a hurry to get out of, out of Dodge last night, right? Basically, they had to go back to, they had to leave Foxborough, which is not near downtown Boston. It's about 35 miles. Yeah. Right. So, and they were going to stay in downtown Boston because they had a flight that was going to leave um, in the in the afternoonish uh, out of Boston to then head up to Toronto. And so that was sort of the plan. And so they wanted to get out of there because it was a trek whole deal. So we didn't get as much time as we normally get. And that's fine. Travel schedules. We try to work with whatever we can do um, whenever that happens. So we didn't get as much time with Greg, but I would love to sit down and pick Greg's brain on Daniel Laguerre because to me, every time you've asked him to do something, he's done it. Uh, he played, you know, most of that game in a sort of defensive position and backing up, you know, Ricky Pooge. And and I thought that he did a great job. I thought that Brugman played well. I know there's people who are sort of upset Brugman was giving away some balls. I see it. Brugman's idea is to get in there and scrap a little bit. I thought Aguirre did a good job of scrapping and getting in there and involved. I thought they muddied up the center of the field and really forced um, you know, New England outside. And listen, New England's strength is outside. I asked Greg about the five backs what he was trying to look for that. And he's like, listen, we know that they're, they're cross happy. They, they live and die by the cross. And so we wanted to put more guys out on the wing to stop that. I thought Gasper had a good game. I love the people who hate chase Gasper. They're, they're my new favorite people. I thought chase Gasper had a perfectly fine game. No problems. I thought Julian Araujo had a perfectly fine game. No problems there. I like the three center backs that played with Williams Depew and uh Koulibaly. Um, I think you should be concerned about Koulibaly's health status going in. I'm telling you now, and Greg Vanny has said this a couple different times, Greg Vanny values Koulibaly over Williams. All right? So Sega is his guy more than Derek Williams is. I think he likes Sega's decision-making um, and uh, and his positioning better than Williams because I think I like Williams' physicality more, but Greg might be a little more technical on that. So he likes Koulibaly. With him possibly being injured and he had to come out of this game, that's a problem. One of the biggest things that sort of set the Galaxy back, I thought, was whenever they transitioned into a four-man uh, back line, whenever Koulibaly got hurt, uh, and then they sort of tried to put another four midfielders in, and I think they had Sasha try to sit sort of up in front of the the uh, the center backs to give a five sort of look, but it was a little bit different. Um, I thought they suffered in that. So this is all to say that I really like the tactical setup the Galaxy had. I think Greg Vanny executed it in terms of what he wanted to see, and I think the players did their part, right? And let's talk about Ricky Pooch's pass. Let's just let's talk about it again. Well, yeah, go one ahead. more time I, before you we get away from that. I just want to bring up Aguirre one more time. That sh- that shot that he scored on was a great goal, as you mentioned, maybe one of the better goals of the season. Not a high percentage shot. Here's a guy getting his his chance to play. You know, the, I, I think the default. Uh, there, the fault setting there is don't do anything to screw things up. Don't make a mistake. Just, just try to be mediocre. You know, just don't make a big mistake. And what does he do? First time he gets the ball, he takes a low percentage shot and scores on it. I mean, that that just shows a whole lot of moxie, a whole lot of confidence. And and maybe that's the stuff that Greg saw in training. He's there, he watches this guy in training. That's what he made a decision based on. Certainly didn't make it based on a lot of minutes in MLS. So he made it based on what he saw in training and. And Aguirre sees the moment. I mean, he easily could have folded just past that ball. That would have been the smart thing to do. You got Chicharito, you got Cabral, you have all these other guys that are supposed to score. No, you take the low percentage shot, you score, you set your team up. Again, a team that's won 10 times in 13 games when they score first, you set them up uh, to be successful. Um, that's just a whole lot of confidence and a whole lot of 
you know, again, you don't see that from young players very often. And, and obviously Greg knew what he was getting when he put him in there. He did. He did. Um, and uh, again, I think you should feel confident that the Galaxy have the depth there at, um, at, at sort of, you know, in that midfield. And that's something that Greg has said he needs. And I think Daniel Aguirre is going to be that guy. And as a matter of fact, if you really think about it, think about the fact the Galaxy can control Daniel Aguirre in terms of contracts here going out. Aguirre is a guy who's not going to be super expensive for a little while, but you're going to be able to use him. And should this Galaxy team get to a playoff run, a guy like Daniel Aguirre being able to come off the bench in certain places could be super useful to the LA Galaxy. Imagine that Delgado, you could sort of transition maybe out of Ricky Pooj. You have a lead. Maybe you don't want Ricky to play anymore. You're, you're done with the offense. You want to shut it down. You want to park the bus. You could bring in somebody like Daniel Gary, who's more box to box, more defensive uh, minded. And he can put it, but he still has the ability to score goals. I'm not saying he's going to do it every time. He saw that lane and he made that run. Kevin, I would argue that if you if you saw that lane, that you would make that run too, because when you see it open up on the replay, he's sort of like, I guess nobody's going to cover me, so I'm going to run here now, which is what you should do in that spot. But he exploited that and did a great job. Um, now let's get to Ricky. And he, and yeah. As you mentioned, he does give a different look from all those other guys. Everyone else that plays his position in the midfield, you put a Geary in it, the, the team changes. And, and so that gives Greg another option. But more importantly, it forces opponents to prepare for that as well. Takes some time away from maybe some other preparation they might want to do. They have to prepare for how do we handle Aguirre if he comes in because he's going to be different than anybody else. Let's get to uh, to Ricky. And by the way, uh, what that gave us another two dollar super chat says uh, Ricky Pooj at the final whistle, making Galaxy fans all hot and bothered. Do you see Ricky was visibly like elated uh, whenever the Galaxy won that game? He pumped his fist. I mean. This is going to we're going to let's overreact after one after seeing one game of Ricky Pooch kind of doing what he was supposed to be doing. Let's completely overreact with it. The Galaxy may have the steal of the season in Ricky Pooch just because they got him on a TAM deal, just because he's a former Barcelona player, just because he has the pedigree of Europe at 23 years of age. Let's blow it all out of proportion right now. Let's take that right. The. If you do not give credit where credit is due, you're not doing this right. Because landing him, even if he fell in your lap, even if Barcelona ticked him off, which is certainly what is being said in the press, certainly by Ricky and everything else, right? So is even if Barcelona ticked him off because they didn't take him on the preseason tour, even if they wanted to force him out and they all these things just felt it was still the Galaxy who we have criticized endlessly for not taking advantage of situations. Deservedly. Deservedly, deservedly, right. If you can't take the... But we also need to be careful. We can't just give, um, you know, oh, you suck, and then look at the ones you get right and say, you may have got this one right. Oh, you got lucky. Right, yeah, Yeah, you got lucky. No, no. No, they they got it right. I think they're going to get this one right. And I think that the fact they can control this for a certain number of years, I think the buyback from Barcelona is in their favor. All these things are in their favor. And I think that... Uh, somebody said this and they were being condescending, which was like, oh, Ricky finally found his level, like in terms of where he can play, like in terms of where he's good, right? We talk about players all the time who are at USL and they come up and you're like, no, you're not quite, you're too good for USL and you're not good enough for Major League Soccer. You're in that quadruple A uh, sort of limbo land of Major League Soccer, right? And somebody said it to disparage him because he's like, oh, Ricky, look, you can play in MLS. That's cute because MLS isn't that good of a league. But saying that, looking at the pass that he made, and I made a comment that I could do a 90-minute podcast just on Ricky, Ricky Pooch's pass. Um, I, I could do a 90-minute podcast just on that pass. There are so many things that go into that that the Galaxy haven't had. 
And it's just the ability to think in forward positions, right? Rick, so Cabral was back pressing on that ball. Cabral tussles with, and I can't remember which New England defender or midfielder it was, but he tussled with him and Cabral got a little flick on the ball and hit it back towards Ricky. And, <laughs> and this ball's looping, Kevin, right? This isn't a straight ball. This ball's looping. It's looping up in the air. And as it's looping up in the air, Ricky sees it looping. What does Ricky do that almost no other Galaxy player, maybe outside of Victor Vasquez, maybe Chicharito would, Chicharito would do it, maybe Brugman would do it, right? There's like a five people who I would trust to actually do this right? Which is as the ball is looping towards him and he knows he's going to get it. Does he keep his eye on the ball? No, he looked, he glanced. He wanted to see what the field looked like in front of him because he knew he was going to bring this ball down and he wanted to try to advance that ball forward. And so as that ball is coming towards him, he looks and he spots Chicharito. What does Chicharito do? As soon as he sees that Ricky spotted him, Chicharito takes off. He knows that he's in a position to split the central defenders if the pass is there, if it's weighted properly, if it's weighted properly on turf, all the things that make this difficult, right? Pooch gets the ball, fires that ball, a little worm burner right down the middle, splits the New England defense. And I know that there are some people who are like, well, you know, if Andrew Farrell was in position, this never would have happened. But bottom line is, again, it's something we talked about in the first goal, which was the positioning of everybody else. And how that goes into affecting the shape of the back line as well. Chicharito did something he almost never does. And he did it a lot in this game, Kevin. He ran from the outside to the end. And I love outside to end runs. They're my favorite because I think that that's putting angles on that makes it easier to find whenever you're hitting passes. But Pooja's ball, perfect. Perfect ball, right in stride. Chicho was able to get it left-footed, wrapped around, almost in the similar spot where Aguirre took the ball and scored from. So they're almost repeats of each other. Just the level and the effort and the expertise on Ricky's pass is, is a little bit higher than what Chicharito basically did with Aguirre, which was receive that ball in the same general area and put that ball and split the defense twice. So yes, New England kind of screwed up the coverage on that. But the way the Galaxy were and Ricky taking advantage of that... Um, it's just not something you see every time. I used to watch David Beckham peel balls around, you know, Dignity Hill Sports Park or Home Depot Center or whatever the field was called whenever he was doing it. And you would sit there and go, oh, come on. Like, nobody makes that pass, like those types of things. Um, and just listen, I'm not going to say it was even on the level of some of the Beckham passes because I don't think it is. Um, but the expertise level on that is in the upper like 10% of MLS players who are going to make that pass and make it at the proper weight in order to find people. Um, if they can get more of that, even if it's just once or twice a game, Kevin, those are those are goals. That's how goals are made. Yeah, you talked about Ricky's reaction after the game, how excited he was. That, that surprised me a little bit because when I was in Barcelona a couple of years ago, at 2019, um, he was the talk of the town. Everyone around La Masia and, and the Barcelona team were talking about Ricky, how he was going to be the next big superstar. He was talked about in the same breath as Iniesta, um, not quite messy, but certainly they thought he might be the next great Barcelona midfielder. He was somebody that they really had a lot of hopes for. And they went through, I don't know, three or four first-team coaches there. The systems changed. Ricky definitely got lost in the shuffle. Um, I think he read some of those stories and thought he was going to be the next great big big thing, uh, and he wasn't. And then all of a sudden he's playing every, every weekend for Barcelona Bay and didn't realize what was going on. Um, and I think he lost a lot of his confidence. And, you know, so he comes here. I was surprised that he accepted the move the way he did. I mean, you know, a lot of players his age would be disappointed. Right. I think he, I think he, somebody advised him or he's very smart on his own and realized that this was an opportunity for him to come here to, to rebuild his game, but to rebuild his confidence, I think is the biggest, most important thing. You know, he's 23 and 
after the World Cup, I think there's going to be a lot of guys that are going to think about retiring, maybe change teams. There's going to be a lot of moving parts. Barcelona still owns his the ability to, to recall him. You know, Ricky, this could be a short-term thing. It could be a, maybe he loves it here. It could be a long-term thing. We don't know, but this the idea that this is the end of his career is wrong. I mean, we looked at Miguel Almiron, who came here uh, from South America to prove himself, knowing that he was going to Europe, and now he's a very good player in the Premier League. You know, that could be Ricky's future. But he, I, I, with what happened to him in Barcelona, I th- the skill is still there. I think that he needs to rebuild his confidence, and and that was certainly a good start. And and see the way he buys into the team is really good too. And and that's something that I think a lot of Talent scouts don't spend a lot of time looking at, oh, this guy scored 20 goals. Yeah, but does he celebrate with his teammates? Does he go out with them for dinner afterwards? Is he part of the team? Is he trying to win or is he trying to put up stats? I mean, that was some of his uh, his, his sort of uh, knockbacks from Barcelona was uh, was the guy likes to party once he's only there for the social media hits, you know, all this sort of thing. And I think he has that in him because he's young. He's a 23-year-old. He's a soccer superstar. Of course, he's going to have that, right? He's got his TikToks. He's got all his stuff that that he does. So he's going to have that. But I think that one reduced pressure playing for the LA Galaxy. I don't care if the LA Galaxy get the most pressure in all Major League Soccer. Reduced pressure with the LA Galaxy than it is at Barcelona. Um, and his skill level. He is going to be one of the better players in Major League Soccer if he plays to the level that he could play at La Liga. We know this as just you know using your eyes and sort of seeing where the different leagues fall. I'm not going to say it's going to be easy for him because as he gets better and better at this, he's going to get more. He's going to get more and more physical. Um, from from the challenge of, of other players, right? There's going to be other people who are going to want to lay a body on him. So far, he's handled that well because people have taken swipes at him. People have tried to be physical. We're talking about, you know, less than two games of actually seeing him play in Major League Soccer. So watch what happens. I think the big deal is that the Galaxy were able to um, unbalance the midfield of New England a couple of times, and that gave Ricky time to operate. And so the more time you give him to operate, and I think Delgado helps that. thought Aguirre did a great job, by the way, um, still. So that's not a knock on on how that goes either. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm very optimistic. And I think that after, if we want to overreact, after like seeing him play for 90 minutes, you know, um, actually 100 minutes plus, because you want the full 90 plus the eight, um, so 98 minutes and then whatever he played like 30 minutes or whatever it was in the other game. So seeing him for 120 minutes or 130 minutes, I'll say that, you know, it's definitely he's definitely worth the price of admission so far. And the fact that he's on a TAM contract is sort of like this is high. We, we talk about high risk, high reward. To me, this is low risk, high reward. And those are the best places to find yourself in for Ricky. So we'll see how that goes on. And again, you know, we have to give credit to Jovan and 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 the front office for for being in position. You know, it, being a, a scout and, and a front office guy with international soccer is a lot like being a player. Sometimes it pays to be in the right place at the right time. They were around Barcelona. They had made contact with Barcelona, and they were there. I'm sure Barcelona didn't really care who they who they sent the player to. They probably liked the Galaxy. If you gave them a choice of ten teams, they might have picked the Galaxy. But I don't think Barcelona said this. This is the only team we're going to deal with. The no. Galaxy just happened to be there, and it was a good deal. Now here's a question for you: Ricky's in the starting lineup if he's healthy, yes. and you know he's he's a starter. Yep. If Delgado makes it to Toronto, do you do you say to Aguirre, hey, you gave us what we wanted, you were great, yeah, and, and now Delgado's back, he's the guy, or, or do you tempt fate and say let's see if he can do it again? No, because it, it's too short of a turnaround. I think you asked him to put out a lot of effort and a lot of physical for for a guy who isn't used to starting. Right. And so if Delgado is 100 percent, you put him in there. I think if you put Delgado in there knowing maybe he's 85 or 90 percent, you especially go over to Aguirre and say, listen, 
we may have to make an early sub if Delgado gets hurt or something happens. If he can't play, he can't go. Then, yes, we're taking a risk, but we're also taking that risk knowing that you're here and that you can back him up if that comes down to it. Because Delgado gives us, you know, if, if I'm Greg Vandy, Delgado gives us the best chance of winning. You did a great job, and if you have to come in, you're going to have to match what he was going to give us, which is a great chance of winning. I love Aguirre. I think he's here for the long term, Kevin. I think all those things are, are really good in terms of what the Galaxy can control and all these other things. But for me right now, Mark Delgado has been one of the best players on the team for this LA Galaxy this year. Um, just in terms, and by the way, one of the best midfielders, even if it's box to box or anything else, uh, in major league soccer this year, uh, the numbers point that out as well. The galaxy need him to be good. And that's how they make it to, you know, the playoffs. That's how they make it past the first round of the playoffs, all those things. But having Daniel Aguirre coming off the bench, that's such a home run for the LA galaxy right now. <laughs> He's not a young player, right? He's 24, isn't he? Yeah, I think he is 24. I guess we're I guess we're not saying, you know, he's young, but yeah, I think he is. No, uh, I'm, is I think much. I think we think about him in in this young group sort of the, you know, it's not a Jalen Neal, but we kind of think of them as part of that second group. I I, 20, I, I 23 I like, by the way. 23 at least according to my roster as of today. I printed it today, so 23. Well, maybe he had a birthday since you printed that. No, it's it's updates oh, okay. automatically. So as of today, since I printed it, he would have to turn. It would have to turn twenty four tomorrow in order for that to work. So, but it, it I, I, I mean, I kind of like the way you broke that down because, I, I, you know, we've talked about this a million times. I'm really big on the mental aspect of the game and having him sit there and think about what a great game I had, as opposed to going out there and if he struggles, then all of a sudden it's. Am I really the guy in New England, or am I the guy now in Toronto that's struggling? It's good to have him sit down and and I, you know, if Greg explained it exactly the way you did, look, you were so great. You're our backup to our best player. You yep. know, I mean, give Mark Delgado. He's out there, but if he just screws up one thing or if he's tired, you're going back in there because you're you're our guy. Yep. I mean, that's exactly the approach. You really I, want to make sure that this guy is confident and doesn't. You don't want him thinking, "I just got lucky." You know, it was just. You know everything aligned and it was a good game for me. You want him to think that no, there's a lot more that's going to come out of you. Uh, that was just the start. Did you see the picture the Galaxy put out after the game? By the way, of the guys in the locker room, all like they were, you know, mostly half dressed and they were all taking a picture, like they were stoked that they won on the road and all this stuff. And remember, this is the same locker. That, like if you look at that and you say, you say, oh man, those guys love playing for each other, with each other, all these things, right? But if you remember that the narrative, what, like four games ago was the locker room is broken, it's impossible, they're never going to, and I push back against that 100%, right? These guys are trying to figure it out, right? That's some of this stuff. They're trying to figure this stuff out. They're trying to be able to solve problems. One of the biggest things that, um, and with Martin Caceres coming in, uh, you know, uh, you had uh, Chicharito talking about, you know, solving problems in games and understanding the experience level. This team is trying to figure out how to solve these problems in games because nothing is ever exactly the way that you set up for. And by the way, the other team is changing whenever they realize that you are set up for them, right? Bruce Arena molded that. They changed things. They looked at different ways to put people in positions to succeed and the Galaxy had to try to solve that. Did they do a great job? No, they didn't. They hung them by the skin of their teeth. If you're sitting here saying, oh, the Galaxy dominated that New England game, you didn't watch the game. Right. I mean, New England had every chance to tie and win that game. Absolutely. A hundred percent. Galaxy put themselves in that position to win, though, with those two early goals and doing all that stuff. So for me, that's where I'm at. By the way, five dollar super chat um, from uh, Sol. Uh, Sol says a Cabral conspiracy. Kevin isn't actually playing when he plays well. It's his brother and they switch on and off. I, I don't know that it matters. 
I've, yeah, I've never seen the two in the same room together. I mean, that is saying field. something. Uh, $5 super chat from uh, Julio as well says, I just want to say what's up and add to the Dr. Pepper puns. I appreciate that. I actually have my Fuji water tonight because I'm fancy. Um, yes, we had we had guests over yesterday, so I went out and bought Fuji water, and then they didn't drink any. So it's all for me now. Um, that's just a little aside on that. Yeah. You know, what you're talking about, though, is Chicharito said after the game, you know, we talked about the standings, and it's still tight. I think there's uh, seven teams within seven points of one another, three above the line, three below the line. Um, and so the, if the Galaxy don't win in Toronto, other teams are going to pass them, and that's it's just going to go that way. And Chicharito talked about that. You know, oh, yeah, we're, we've got this unbeaten streak, and we're going really well. But he said, if on Wednesday, if we don't draw our win – we're going to uh, hear people talking again about consistency. They're not consistent. Right. And they're in, they are in that point of the season where, it, you know, if this happens in April, no one's paying attention. They are in that point of the season where great win in new England. Oh, you lose in Toronto. You guys suck. You know, you're not consistent. You can't, you can't pull this off. So I, you know, I think the players are very aware of, that the fact the stakes have changed a little bit now this late in the season. Well, and, and we're also in that, that I want to see a, it's not a consistency in results is one thing. And that is going to be the most important thing as we sort of go down this path towards the playoffs, right? Consistency in results, but consistency in play. So you were just, uh, you know, I'll, I'll give Greg Vanny credit. You were gritty. Uh, you were tenacious. You were, you know, stubborn in the way that you wouldn't let new England score. Jonathan bond stood on his head. Other guys made plays. I mean, Nick DePew had basically a goal line save in there as well and made a, made a last uh, ditch effort to get a stop in there. You have guys who are selling out in order to try and preserve the wins. That has to happen from here on out. They know they're in desperation, but they're not playing desperate. I didn't think they played desperate against new England. Um, they played within themselves and that's, that's what I want to see now. What? Yeah, and, and that, that's I think Greg. I think Greg is looking at this as ten games, not one game. This is DC's, and it's ten games. Here's another thing that uh, you know we talk a lot about. The Galaxy have not uh, have had one playoff appearance since 2016. Um, both those games were on the road. They haven't played a home playoff game since 2016. And so getting into the playoffs as the number seven team, that's great. But that means again, no home playoff games. And and 538 gives them a chance to finish in the top four, which increases the odds of them having a home playoff game. I mean, let's not. They're not in the playoffs yet, but it's just it's just interesting that getting in the playoffs is just one step. The way they play at home versus the way they play on the road, um, you know, they're four, six, and two on the road, um, and they have five of their last eight regular season games on the road. Um, I think they'd really like to have a home playoff game. They haven't had one for a long time in the playoffs. Yeah, away points right now, averaging 1.19 uh, away points uh, this season. So actually, that's not their average is one point one nine across all their seasons. Right now, they're at one point one seven points per game on the road. And, and this this win on the road was their first win on the road since May 29th. Yeah, it was. Um, it's since they beat Austin, right? That was the was that the yes. last one? Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. I remembered looking that one up too. So, um, so yeah, I mean, these are the the little things that sort of start popping into your head if we're keeping track of the points as we like to do points to the playoff. By the way, does anybody else get that pun? Have I already explained the pun points to the playoff? Right. Get it like you're pointing to the playoffs points to the playoffs. OK, nobody. Wow. Good. You have a day job, right? You should keep it. Yeah, I, I will try to do that. Uh, three points against New England is a big result. So we said the LA Galaxy need to get to 48 points, Kevin. They now have 37 points, okay? That means... And they're that, five, five one and one against the Eastern Conference. That's right. 11 points are needed still in order to get to that 48 points. There are 24 total points available. Remember how we were saying the Galaxy need to get 50% of the points, 50% of the points, and it's sort of been sticking there? 
the win in New England means they actually need less than 50% of the points. Now, that would be great if there was even numbers whenever you get three points for a win and stuff like that, but it doesn't usually work out that way. So, now, explain the 48 points or not. Nothing's guaranteed with 48 points. Nothing's guaranteed. Well, I mean, can I be honest with it's you? Not, it's not like you make the playoffs if you get 48 points. Can, can I, I, I know your math. You, you think that they would be in, but I mean, I just want to correct the perception that right. there's some sort of MLS rule that if you get 48 points, you're in. You are correct. 48 points is usually the line of which demarks the, the right. people who get in. The people Now, the Galaxy got 48 points last year and lost on a tiebreaker, right? Whole deal. That's not going to happen this year. I Again, I think uh, 538, Kevin, which was funny, um, and some people in the chat uh, caught it. Um, you were you were sort of, and I won't say lecturing, but you were lecturing us on the, on the wonders of 538, which we use every Thursday show in order to pick stats for who's going to win, who's not going to win. And we give like those. In fact, I will probably give 538 stats for the Toronto game coming up. So we use it all the time. 538 has the playoff line. At uh, at 45 points, they think it's going to be at 45 points is going to be the last one in. So 48 points could be well above the line um, looking at this. So that's sort of we're, we're keeping an eye. We think 48 points is a good target. So that's what we're using. And that's why we're going um, again. Chicharito team of the week. Uh, Jonathan Bond somehow, um, you know, listen, if he gets the shutout, Jonathan Bond is is goalkeeper um, there. And he's he gets he gets on who, the actual who, team who of the was- week. Who was the goalkeeper? For Brezza from uh, from Montreal. Okay. Um, I didn't see that Montreal game. Montreal is really playing well right now. They are. And remember, the Galaxy absolutely smacked their bottom whenever they came to play. Uh, that was a, that was a July 4th game, wasn't it, where they beat them 4 nothing? Yes. Uh, yes, it was. Yes, Kevin. Yes, it was. Um, so the Galaxy, again, you know, if the Galaxy can get to MLS Cup, Kevin, I'm saying they have a pretty good chance playing against the Eastern Conference right now, although... I think the best team in Major League Soccer right now is in the Eastern Conference with the Philadelphia Union and, and their two back-to-back 6 nothing wins. Ridiculous. Yeah, they have 100, 116 goals this month. <laughs> that is, yeah, they have so many. I think somebody said they have 25 goals in their last 10 games, so averaging two and a half goals per game. It's a tremendous amount whenever you stack that up against 10 games. Um, and I think they've only allowed like 20 goals. Is that correct? They are best. Yeah, they have a chance. They have a real good, uh, mathematically, they're going to break the, the MLS record for goal differential. <sighs> Amazing. So much, I mean, so much fun. And by the way, I used to just rag on Philadelphia as being, remember whenever it was like during the pandemic and everybody's like, oh, Philadelphia is so good. And I'm like, yeah, calm down. They didn't play anybody. And now I still feel that way. So whenever they play well, the what, Western Conference, we'll, we'll see. Do you have the standings there? What's their goal differential right now? Because uh, apparently only two teams in MLS history, the Galaxy and LAFC, have had a plus 40 or better goal differential. Plus 37 right now. Plus Yeah, so they look, I mean, they look like they're a lock to do it, you know, barring any disaster. They'll be the third team ever to have a plus 40 goal differential. And the record, uh, LAFC in 2019, 45, I think is the record. Yeah. Um, they look like they got a real good chance. I mean, if they just, uh, you know, from here on out, if they just uh, a goal a game better, if they average a goal a game better, they're going to do it, right? Because they have, Probably eight games left. They should. They're also 11 goals better on defense than anybody else in the Eastern Conference. I think that's pretty incredible. They're, they're, I mean, they, listen. And you know what was funny? In the Discord, we were like, okay, so Kevin, can you name, name who's, the, who's their biggest player? Like off the top of your head. I was sitting there. I'm like, the only person I really know is Bedoya and Blake. That was the, yeah. Like that was it. That's crazy that you have a team that is this good doing what they're doing. And I can name. Now, listen. I completely isn't Ben Franklin from Philadelphia. Yeah, yeah, he is. Congratulations, good job. Uh, yeah, that was that is was. He still uh, on the team. Yeah, <laughs> I heard he got electrocuted. Um, so <laughs> it was. 
Wow. Well, that's good for you. Congratulations. Wow. Did I tell did I tell you, by the way, total aside, um, you know that we generally tell like the worst dad jokes in the history on this show and stuff oh, like yeah. that. And you know and that proud of it. and you know that I've been doing like train stuff with with I joined a train club, did all this stuff. I, I can fill you guys in some other time. This is not the time. But what I learned was that whenever I got a certification at my train club, I'm now a conductor. Uh, the guy said, hey, listen, you need to be careful around electricity. And I said, well, I'm always careful around electricity. He goes, yeah, but you're a conductor now. And I was like, uh, is that a, is that train joke worse than every dad joke? Train jokes are worse than dad jokes. Anyway, that was it. That well, was I'll, I'll give you a, a, a to go. I'll give you a good joke. This is from the, the esteemed Mrs. Panda. We watched the documentary about Marcel Marceau and his role. A lot of people don't know this. He was played a very prominent role in the French resistance in Lyon during World War II. And the next morning we were talking about it and I said, man, Marcel Marceau in the French Resistance, I didn't know anything about it. And she said, yeah, he didn't talk about it much. Oh, let's see. And you've told that joke on here before and I still like it. Yeah. I still, I like still it. think it's great. That's, yeah, I never give her credit though. Yeah, don't, don't. You, you no, don't want yeah, her head I, getting I need to steal that. Yeah. Um, let's see. We talked about Team of the Week. Um, by the way, if you're if you're looking at uh, Martin Caceres, we have not been told whether or not he's going to get his visa in time for Toronto. In fact, I wasn't even told whether or not he got he traveled with the club. I was hoping to find out. Um, but then apparently I spelled his name wrong in the text message and I was punished. So I will never listen. They were never going to tell me anyway. That was really what was going to happen. Right. So it's a surprise if, if and when he shows up. But Caceres also is going to wear the number 22. Uh, we updated our roster now that shows a total of 32 player players on it. You have Jorge Villafania, who's on season ending injury list. And then you have Marcus for who's actually transferred to Phoenix rising. Um, in order to get yourself a 30 man roster. And I put Caceres's salary as about $164,000. Cause I know it has to be less than that. I actually don't think it's that high. So, um, but it's in there. And so we have final numbers for everything. So as of today, your average age for the LA galaxy, Kevin, 26.19, uh, the median age is 26 just happens to fall that way. So again, for everybody who says it's all, don't know more old guys. Younger, it's yeah. gotta be one of the younger teams in the league 20 26 is a pretty good one now again we could look at starting lineups and if you really wanted to go do average age of starting lineups across the whole year that would also give you a better idea i guarantee you it skews older than 26 right so um there's those two sorts of things to sort of uh, pay attention to and watch uh the one thing i have all my charts and you guys know i have all these charts and i keep them updated i have about 20 charts that get updated after every single game so there were just a couple that i wanted to pull out and i wanted to highlight and it was this one and I was talking to Kevin about it beforehand. Now, this is the number of points through 26 games. This is across all LA Galaxy seasons. And as you can see in 2020, 2020 disappears because they only played 25 games. Right? Was it 25? I think it was 25. Uh, the Galaxy didn't even play 25, didn't they? They ended up playing like 24. Yeah, 22. Yeah, 22. it was 22. So whatever. 2020 goes disappears. Other, other seasons are going to start disappearing as well. Whenever it gets to about 28, other seasons start dropping off. There's all these things because you didn't always play 34 games. Um, but the LA Galaxy right now um, at 37 points, that is one point behind their 2021 total through 26 games of 38 points. Okay. And there were a lot of people who were making a big deal about the 2021 LA Galaxy being so much better than this LA Galaxy team. And I didn't believe that. Okay. And I guess all those people have like ridiculously short memories and they didn't remember that the LA Galaxy through like the last 13 games of the season in 2021, like didn't win any games. Like they won one or two down the yeah, stretch. Yeah, this is where they really hit the skids. Right. And so if you're looking at that and sort of seeing all these different things, you have to think right now with these things almost being equal and understanding that 2021 
was a disaster towards the end of the season that eventually this 2022 team is going to finish on top of that 2021 team. Again, that's that's being a little forward in predicting some things. But as far as I'm concerned, looking at the trends and sort of how they're going and getting three points in a place I didn't think they were going to get. And quite honestly, if they get one point in Toronto, I think it was probably didn't I didn't I say like if they got uh, four points uh, that it would be orgasmic um, out of this and six points is an impossibility, right? It's like it's one of those things. Now you're sort of in this position where you're like this road trip could be the thing that turns the LA Galaxy season around. But more important than this Toronto game, Kevin, is the Kansas City game coming up on Sunday. So, yes, we're going to talk about Toronto game. Yes, it's important. But for me, while the Galaxy will have to play one game at a time, you got to win your home games from here on out. Um, and as our schedule, you only got three of them. Yeah, that's it. And and you're done. Um, and they're all they're, well, the first two are winnables, uh, Kansas City and Colorado. Uh, RSL is coming in for the penultimate game of the season. Yep. Last home game, fan appreciation day. How much do the Galaxy appreciate their fans? Do they win that <laughs> RSL game or not? I don't know. You know, fan appreciation day has a horrible hit, hit track record to it. So I, I, I don't know that you can really count on that. So, again, points on the road are going to be. Uh, important, but that Kansas City game is is a more important game right now than the Toronto game. But a chance to get three points in Toronto, a chance to do something in Toronto, and I think the LA Galaxy need to uh, attack that at any chance. By the way, a a win or a draw, Kevin, uh, against Toronto, and it would tie their longest uh, unbeaten streak of the season, which is four, and also the longest unbeaten streak in 2021 was four games as well. Um, so if the Galaxy could possibly go four or five games unbeaten here. Um, it would do a world of good for them in terms of uh, their their playoff runs and everything else. And by the way, the first time the LA Galaxy have scored first when they were away since that Austin game, um, Kevin. So I thought that was interesting. Got the win on that as well. All right. Uh, you ready to talk a little bit about Toronto and LA Galaxy? Let's talk about Toronto and the LA Galaxy. Is this And this is now BMO at one point, I thought it had an artificial turf, but they are grass now. They have had grass for a very long time, sir. Yes, whenever they first came into the league, they did have artificial turf. And then Tim Laiwiki went up there and said, you can't have a really good soccer team on artificial turf. And so then they put grass in, but you know, and he also expanded it and made it a proper soccer facility. It was had like 11 seats when they first opened it. Now it's got uh, what? 32,000 something. Yeah. Um, yeah, yes, you're right. And I was going to say that they probably had grass in that stadium for like 10 years now. So way to be up on top of your, your stadium, uh, information. But see, I knew the history. Good job. You just thought it was more recent than, than, uh, than it was. Uh, so anyway, uh, BML, BMO field in Toronto, spectrum sportsnet, lagalaxy.com is where you can find that. Uh, it's a 4.30 PM kickoff, uh, 4.30 PM TV start time, 4.38 PM kickoff time. That means this game will be going on whenever I'm still at work which is always fun and exciting. Um, so I'll figure out how to cover that game somehow, some way. Uh, so that way we can do it. If you look at these two teams and they're sort of head-to-heads, uh, the LA Galaxy all-time 7-5-6, and six, 27 points. Uh, TFC 5-7-6, and six, 21 points. Uh, where they stand right now, Galaxy 7th in the Western Conference, 12th in the Supporter Shield. And you have 10th in the Western Conference for Toronto and 20th in the Supporter Shield. Uh, but uh, if you look at just the, uh, the last five games... Toronto has 10 points. They're three, one and one in their last five games. The LA Galaxy two, two and one with seven points in their last five games. But, you know, but tr- Toronto faces a real difficult challenge getting into the playoffs though. They think they're intent. They have, so they have three teams to jump over. They're at 28 games. They, the Galaxy, the big advantage for the Galaxy right now is they still have those games in hand against all the other teams they're competing with. Uh, that's just, I mean, just a monumental advantage at this 
time of year, I think. Toronto doesn't have that. They have to climb over a whole bunch of teams. And the thing when you have to climb over multiple teams is, yeah, you you know, you may get lucky and one of the teams you're chasing loses or draws, well, the other one wins, and you really didn't advance that far. So, you know, and, and the other thing is, as you haven't mentioned, maybe this is coming up, but a lot of history with these coaches, Fanny and Bob Bradley, Bradley having been at LFC, LAFC, now going to Toronto to coach his son. Michael has a history with the Galaxy, doesn't really like the Galaxy all that much. Vanny um, was the guy that turned Toronto around, took over a team that had never had a winning record, much less a playoff, but took them to the only treble in MLS history in 2017, took them to two MLS Cup finals, almost won a second supporter shield uh, in 20, was it? His last year in Toronto, mm-hmm. was it 2020. Yep. Um, or 20, 2019, and, maybe? 2019. Maybe. Yeah. No, I can't remember. Sometimes. Yeah. yeah something he like that. Did it. Uh-huh. And he, he told me he thought he was going to get a good uh, welcome home, but then he didn't, he didn't really sell that opinion to me. And, and he mentioned a little bit that there's a lot of people there that are smart and understand that sometimes people have to make decisions and go. I think he feels like there are some people in Toronto felt like that he knew the franchise was in trouble when he left, that he knew that there wasn't much there, that he got out when the getting out was good. I, I don't think any of that's true. I mean, I think he may have known that, but I think he was, would have been up to the challenge if the Galaxy hadn't come. The Galaxy was the job that he was created to do. This is the franchise he started with. He understands the history. He had to take this job to come back and coach the Galaxy. And Toronto, uh, you know, he was able to get out of the Toronto job and come back. I think he fears that there are some people in Toronto that don't really understand the opportunity he had and may hold that against them. But he was looking forward to going home. And then yes. if Delgado makes the trip there, Raheem Edwards, um, Victor, Victor Vasquez, Vasquez, yep, all of the coaching staff and some of the physios and the sports medicine people all were on that staff in Toronto. Vanny brought everybody with him, um, which is a good thing to do because, you know, with the exception of Kevin Hartman, it's a good thing to do because you have that chemistry. So it, it's kind of like a, you know, old home week it's like going back to your high school reunion for a lot of these guys yeah it feels that way and greg was we were talking to him on thursday and he was sort of saying that uh, he didn't want to think about toronto because that was a game that was too far like it was you know we had to focus on new england and then toronto but then he also said obviously i'm looking forward to going back and i think damien asked if you know the kid if the boys or you know his kids were going to go with him and he's like they have soccer games they have school they have all the things and he goes so i don't think anybody's going to go and he goes it's unfortunate to have it in the middle of the week um to be this game because we would have probably made a big deal about it going back and saying hi to everybody and doing that so i think you have that i think vanny will get a warm welcome um i think just like bruce arena We'll come back and and whenever Bruce comes in, he always gets a warm welcome from Galaxy fans. So I think that'll be good. Um, I think there's definitely going to be something from the LA Galaxy in terms of wanting to prove that they're better than Toronto on the night. So I think that gives a little added juice to to whatever is going to come in here. And let's be very clear. Uh, whenever you have uh, Federico Bernadeschi and Lorenzo Insigne on your team uh, that are scoring, listen to this. This is crazy. And I was looking this up. I know they've been scoring goals, but I haven't really been paying that much attention. The two of them both played seven games, uh, both started seven games, by the way, since they uh, signed and joined. Uh, Bernadeschi has five goals and three assists, so eight goal actions. Uh, and uh, Insigne has four goals and two assists, so six goal actions in that. Insigne can- so four, 14 combined. Yeah, Insigne can, which is a good first half for Philadelphia. No, yeah, no, yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, everybody's everybody's happy except for Philadelphia. Um, 
But what they're doing right now, and certainly Bradley has them set up in a 4-3-3. You have Michael Bradley in the center. Um, I can actually pull up the the lineup cards uh, a little bit here so that way we can get a, you know, a general idea of sort of what they have been looking at. But with Insigne on the left and Bernadeschi on the right, and Bernadeschi can invert inside. He had some great left-footed shots. Insigne hit a ball against Miami that was like a shot from Bernadeschi that gets deflected out. And it's just sort of like floundering outside the box and everybody's sort of like, eh, I'll get to it. Like, that's not a danger position. And Insigne played like a full volley on it and launched it into the corner. These are guys who can score from any position. Insigne, Bernadeschi, um, Akinola as well has sort of been playing in the center of that, that four through three up top. Michael Bradley in the center of the field. Jonathan Osorio is their leading goal scorer. So here's the thing about Toronto is that they have a ton of talent, Kevin, with Insigne and Bernadeschi. And listen, Michael Bradley, he's gotten slower, um, but he's still Michael Bradley. He can still play. Jonathan Osorio can still play and still score goals and do all those things. But they're very top-heavy. Very top-heavy. Bob Bradley has not had a chance to come in here and fix the defense, has not had a chance to do anything. And so when you look at it, there are some real weak links in this Toronto uh, team. And I think you see it in, in certain instances against teams who can pressure the goal. So against the back four and, and certainly against Alex Bono, who I think has been horrible in the last couple of games. And Mark Anthony K is back there too. Bob Bradley went out and got him from Colorado, I believe. Yeah. Um, uh, did, did, so, didn't he have a season ending injury or something like that? Yeah, he, he may, I know he got injured. I didn't know that it was season ending. I know that he hasn't played in the last couple of games. Um, um, it, it, you know, he came back and part of the deal was getting ready for the Olympics with Canada. Yeah. Um, at UBMO Field is their home field. Say say those Italian names again. Uh, Insigne and Bernadeschi. See, I can't do that. That's yeah. that's really good. Well, I mean, you know, they're listen. They're very good players. You should probably learn their names. It's like Slaton, well, although you never got Slaton right. There. I never so, got. Yeah. No, he's gone now. I don't have to worry yeah. about it. Um, yeah. so. The Galaxy flew in tonight from Boston to Toronto tonight, they, correct? They did. So they regened on Monday morning. They had a training session basically in Boston. They may have even done it at the hotel gym where they regened and got their blood moving and doing all the stuff that they regen after a game. And then they were supposed to hop on a plane and fly to Toronto this evening. And we know that they landed. We saw the video and we tra- there was a flight tracker that was following them as well. So yeah. my, my guess is, is, is Greg's meeting with some old friends and adult beverages will be consumed I mean, one, I, listen, on the road and, and how you do that, absolutely. I mean, that's what you would do uh, 100%. There's, I have I have been in areas, I've been to places like the night before a game, and not necessarily players, but coaches or technical players or people who don't have to go run for 90 minutes the next day and keep their bodies in top physical condition will be out in certain places and enjoy a drink or get together with old friends so they can see them in sort of every city that they go to. Broadcasters do it. Sometimes they run into each other at the same places. Like it's very, it starts to get very incestuous whenever you like, you look at how close everybody is related and, and sort of where it all goes. So, um, yeah, absolutely. I would expect that that happens, that type of thing. Here's the thing for Toronto is certainly with uh, Bernadeschi, with with uh, Insigne, uh, they are a an attack minded team. And that's how they win games is to attack, 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 because they have the horses to attack. Um, they don't have the horses to defend. And so I think if you're looking for a situation where the Galaxy could be um, you know, take advantage of it. It is the fact that I think that Toronto will overcommit on offense. Sometimes I don't think they stay back far enough and their defense is super suspect. Um, and so if you can be in the right positions and take advantage at the right times, you can, you can make Toronto really have to work for anything that they get. So, um, I don't expect Bob Bradley's team is going to sit back because most of his teams don't sit back. 
Um, I wouldn't expect that Greg Vanny is going to sit out there and, and say, oh, well, we're going to go, you know, match it with a 4-3-3. I think that very likely if uh, if Sega Koulibaly is healthy enough, uh, they'll go with a five-man back line again to sort of try to stymie and slow down things. And perhaps Raheem Edwards on the left, if he's available, so that way he can be more of a wing back with, uh, with uh, Julian Araujo, so that way they can work those areas and transition. But you're looking at guys like Mark Delgado if he travels, which I think is like, 20-30% quite honestly I don't think that they're going to risk it especially after winning in New England it's sort of like why risk bringing Mark Delgado there let's make sure he's fully healthy for for Sporting Kansas City coming up on Sunday um, those types of things so um, I think the Galaxy really do have a chance to sort of counter Toronto and I think the Galaxy are better in those positions they think they did a good job against New England I think they can do it uh, against Toronto as well you know you talk about Bob Bradley and his formation and the style of play when he was here at LAFC of course it was all attacking. He, he he liked to compare himself to Barcelona a lot, the style of play, not necessarily the players. And he, and he sort of held the team and the players up to that standard. I bring that up because you mentioned their lack of defense. When I was in Barcelona and was at the Academy La Masia where all of these great young players trained, I was there for an entire day watching all of these kids from the smallest up to the B team training. And at the end of the day, I came to one of the coaches and said, I, you know, I saw all the stuff you guys are doing offensively and all the skilled uh, uh, sessions that you had and all the training. I said, but what about playing defense? I didn't see anyone practicing defense. And the guy looked at me like I had four heads. He goes, we don't play defense. I said, well, how do you defend? He goes, we don't. We just win the ball back. <laughs> so there, there is no, the, the idea that they don't play defense, that's totally right. the Barcelona style. Yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, people are asking about uh, Caceres and I, I don't know. I don't know what his status is. I would imagine they're very much trying to play this, uh, you know, under underground, right? Because they want it to be a surprise if he's going to be available. And again, if he is available, does he start? I doubt it, just because he hasn't played in so many, um, so many months, right? And so there's there's some of this, right? There's some of this to to take into account. So I don't know that that he'll be ready um, for how that all goes. Um, I would like to say the Galaxy beat Toronto last time they played in 2019 on a July 4th game. That game. Um, I didn't write down the score. Oh, I did. Um, it was, uh, oh no, I didn't. I didn't write down the score. It doesn't matter. They beat them on July 4th. But the one thing that sort of popped out to me is that all the games, and there haven't been a ton of games that these two teams have played against each other with Eastern Conference, Western Conference, everything else sort of going there. But the only time the LA Galaxy have ever beaten Toronto in Toronto was on June 6, 2009. Just would like to point that out. It's not exactly a place where you would say the Galaxy have success. Uh, there's some draws in there whenever you go back and look at the the stats, but it's not a place where the Galaxy have had uh, a ton of success. And on the road, I don't know that you can, but certainly across multiple time zones, that's a that's a difficult one. If Kevin, here's my prediction: if the Galaxy get the win against Toronto, which I think is mind-blowingly huge, if the Galaxy get the win against Toronto, if they come back and they win against Sporting Kansas City, they make the playoffs. And fairly easily, they'll make the playoffs. In fact, that goes into a sort of 538's hold. They have a chance to get a home playoff game. That's how important this stretch of games is. Now, I'm not placing the importance on Toronto, right? Because that game is too much of a toss-up. The importance one is on Sporting Kansas City. And the Galaxy released some stuff about the SKC game uh, coming up on Sunday, September 4th. Again, this is a 5 p.m. kickoff time. Uh, which is really going to hurt everybody because I think it's supposed to be about 95 degrees in in uh, at uh, in Carson at at 5 p.m. So that'll be fun. Uh, we'll look forward to that. Uh, but that's something to sort of look at. They're also doing some of the uh, soccer rings. I guess they have a limited number of uh, of those those 2002 championship rings that they were uh, going to give everybody at one point in 2020, and then the pandemic shut everything down. Um, 
I'm looking at uh, a whole bunch of other things. Soccer Fest is going to be there. They're going to have some guys from the 2002 MLS Cup Championship team. We'll talk more about that on Thursday with the LA Galaxy Foundation and everything else. All right. Well, you said that if if they get the six points in uh, six points on this road trip, three in Toronto, that that would be orgasmic. And no, and I, you I said, said four I, points. I can't. I can't unhe- okay, I can't unhear that. That was like too much information. I, I don't even want to. I don't want to see evidence of that. I don't know. If they get the four points, just tell me. Just, just tell me. Just tell you. I, I'll just face. Yeah, I don't want to see. No, yeah. it, it'll be. It'll no. be. No, you don't want to. Okay. Uh, I'm just telling you, it's very much um, not uh, not expected. Right. And yeah, important, important would have sufficed. You could have said it would be very no, important. No, because important is an overused word and it loses its importance. All right. That's why you can't just but, use but see, orgasmic just conjures up it, some. It is, I don't need it to is go there. so unlikely that it derives pleasure from its mere happening. Right. Does that, that to me explains it perfectly. I don't understand. Again, you're supposed to be the writer here and you're afraid of using words. I'm just saying, I know the LA times probably is like, you probably can't say that in the LA times, but I'm just telling you that you should maybe expand your vocabulary. Cal state Fullerton maybe wasn't the best choice for me. Maybe for some of us, orgasm, isn't that rare a thing? It's not. It's not. Okay. I'm I'm just saying, I like how we went PG 13 real fast on this, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Did, <laughs> we went right past PG thirteen. Have you um have you been watching? Uh, you watch some of the um. What is it? Is it Welcome to Wrexham? Is the official Welcome title? Welcome to Wrexham. Very very good. You Ve- should check it out. Very good. I've been watching the first couple episodes and and it was really good. But Ryan Reynolds is like PG thirteen. Does that mean we get X number of? And he uses some <laughs> expletives and and one of these. And I was laughing. I go, that's I feel I feel that in my soul whenever you say what that. What was the, the the documentary on Southampton that was really good? It's very much like that. Oh, you mean Sunderland? Sunderland, excuse yeah. me, yeah, the Sunderland one. It's very, yeah. uh, it, it resembles that a lot. It, 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 it feels, but I way. think it's a little bit better. Okay, it's, I've been watching. I'm very, very much a, a happier, happier about it. Um, let's see uh, predictions. Then, I mean, normally you and I don't do predictions, only because the news side of us says, you know, don't do predictions because it shows that you're biased in some way. You're expecting an outcome, but I also feel like predicting things that we watch on a regular basis it comes from knowledge. So, I mean, and by the way, we're always wrong. So that always helps too. Yeah. Um, for me, 2-2. Uh, two, two, which is one less than a 3-3, three, three, just in case you were keeping track. Um, so 2-2, so two, two, I think. I'm going to guarantee a Galaxy victory here by saying it's 3-1 Toronto. <laughs> That's, you, you reverse. Reverse yeah. uh, psychology. Reverse everything. psychology, exactly. All right. Um yeah, by the way, you can watch the uh, Welcome to Rexham. It's on Hulu, I think. And uh, is it on Fox as well? FX. Oh, FX. FX yeah. That's what it was. My mom yeah. was like, it's on Fox. Yeah, I should have checked. I, so FX, it's a Hulu. You, you know, BBC Radio in Wales had me on to talk about the show. And, and I have prepared all this stuff to talk about how the, you know, the show and how the team is doing all that. What they really wanted to know is what do people in L.A. think of Wales and what do they think of Wrexham? <laughs> It was just like, you I mean, guys know we're here? You, I, no. You found us? <laughs> no, I, I didn't know you were here. But it's nice that you are there. I mean, that's how I usually feel. I'm glad that you are. And and certainly the history of the club is is very interesting. Anyway, we're getting totally sidetracked. I, just really good doc, and, and you should watch it. I, Docu-series. Docu-series, yeah, because there's multiple We're episodes. in Hollywood. You have to get it right. Yeah, of course we do. Um, all right, that's where we sit. Uh, LA Galaxy coming up against Toronto FC again. 4.30 TV time, 4.38 p.m. Spend your... Uh, afternoon your early afternoon with joe kobe and nikki uh on this particular game and uh they will get you ready for this toronto game which should be i mean 
I've been saying that this Galaxy season has been some of the most interesting, fascinating seasons that we've covered in a while, Kevin, because I never know which Galaxy team is going to show up. Had no idea that, you know, Aguirre was going to play out of his mind. The Galaxy were going to shut down New England. Um, and now we sort of go to Toronto. Again, there's a lot of emotions, a lot of extra in this. There's a lot of extra juice in this that you don't expect from just a normal East-West you know, towards the end of the season conference game, Toronto fighting for playoffs, Galaxy fighting for playoffs. There's a lot of stories that you can put behind it. But for me, if you're looking for any sort of motivational stuff, for me, it's Greg Vanny going home. It's for the players who have played in Toronto. Like, it's like, does Victor Vasquez start because he played in Toronto, right? And yes, you had Ricky and he played well, right? But do you want to give him a little break because he's not used to playing that much yet? There's some little things that Greg could overthink or underthink or twist or tweak. And whenever they do, how does that affect the match? And I think that's going to be an interesting one. And we have two guys who play chess too with Greg Vanny and Bob Bradley. So um, that's, that's that for me is, a, is another little added like cherry on top. Dayon plays chess too. It's really good. I heard, I heard he's good at it though. I don't even so know. So Bondi, Bondi plays too, I think. Yeah, he, but he only picked it up because he wants to hang out with Dayon. Because Dayon, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm sure that's how they pick up chicks. That's how, that's, that's how <laughs> they go They go and play chess in the park. And that's, that's how they do it. Um, all right, are we good? I think we're good. Well, one last thing. Next time you see me on this pod or anywhere else, it, it, I, it'll be a different me. Yeah. I have a birthday between now and the next pod. And I'm not going to tell you how old I am. But 73. I just, no, okay. close. Okay. If you take both of your children... Uh-huh. Add their ages together, double it, and add them to yours. You're still not even close. Oh, I was going to start I'm, doing the I'm math. Old en- I'm old enough to remember when the Galaxy used to go to MLS Cups. That's uh, how old I am. Well, I mean, so am I. That doesn't that doesn't <laughs> okay. really help you. Forty one. You're fifty. Fifty. Nope. F- nope. Sixty. Nope. Keep going. Sixty <laughs> one. Keep going. Sixty two. Not yet. Uh, well, right now. Okay, right now you're sixty two. So so sixty three. Sixty. Yes. Wow. Very nice. Very nice. That's a good age. That's good. You're way younger than Larry. Larry, Larry Morgan calls me Sonny. Yeah, I was gonna say he's hey kiddo. You know that's yeah. that's, that's him. How he hey, does. It. Youngster. Well, happy birthday, sir. Uh, I hope you, Thank s- you. I hope you spend it with somebody you love. Um, and I'll try to find somebody. And I was gonna say I was gonna say I hope your wife allows it. Um, so <laughs> there we go. Uh, very good. Somebody said. Yeah, you should see the guesses. I'm not gonna say the guesses in the in the chat room. Eighty is a po- is a possible one. <laughs> yeah. One one more than sixty eight. There's a whole bunch of those. Um, so so anyway, that's where you're uh, you're sort of that. All right. Uh, that's it. We're done. We're good. Uh, if you're looking for Mr. Kevin Baxter on Twitter, it's at kbaxter11. Uh, head on over to latimes.com where you can find all of his writings. He's there. He's willing. He's waiting to tell you and talk to you about soccer. So please do that. Sign up for his newsletter as well, latimes.com. If you're looking for me on Twitter, at jguessman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N, and of course, at Galaxy Podcast. Head on over to cornerthegalaxy.com where you can find all of our stuff, all of our videos, all of the press conferences, all that fun stuff, cornerofthegalaxy.com. All right. Uh, for Mr. Kevin the Panda Baxter, I'm Josh Pato Gessman. You've been listening. You've been watching Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Have a great one, everybody. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. Fans, we thank you for listening, and we ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody.